0: You are listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Comedian Steve Trevino is America's favorite husband, and he can speak wife fluently as he knows better than to make his own decisions since that decision-making is a privilege reserved solely for his wife, Renee. Well, he is one of the country's fastest-rising comics, viewed over 220 million times, selling out shows coast-to-coast, amassing over 2 million total social media followers, and headlining specials for Amazon, Netflix, Showtime, and others. Also, he has a podcast, Steve Trevino and Captain Evil, now in season three, that he co-hosts with his wife Renee, whom he lovingly refers to as Captain Evil. Well, it now has over 1.5 million streams. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's welcome the man who can bring the funny, with (coughs) his wife's permission, of course, comedian Steve Trevino. How are you doing today?
1: I am doing uh, fantastic. I'm a little under the weather, but that never stops me. You know, I always tell people it is a... it is a mindset that you have to have. Every day I wake up and and I love life and, and I love being a comedian. So life is easy, you know, and, and all I got to do is walk on stage and, and report to the people what my wife does to me weekly and they pay me to do it.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you something because you're from Texas. I'm from Texas. Where in the world is Gregory Portland, Texas? Very
1: near uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. We are a we are a little well used to be a little farm town, and now every refinery in the world has made my little town of Gregory Portland their their home now. So we're starting to look like Baytown, you know. I mean, it's getting it's getting crazy over there. But you know, when I was there, it was just a little farm town, and I traveled the world uh, several times doing stand up comedy. I've traveled this country, gosh, probably almost a million. And I ended up with a girl from
0: Gregory, Portland, Texas. My wife is from the same town. That is crazy. Now, Steve, where did you first learn about stand-up comedy? You know, I was watching. I was watching. Uh, uh, you know, my folks would always have barbecues
1: on on Fridays and Saturday nights, and the men were always outside and the women were always inside. And all of a sudden, everybody was inside laughing their heads off and. I look around the corner, and they were watching a guy named Richard Pryor. And I remember thinking, like, Oh, you can make people laugh for a living. I must have been seven, eight years old, and and that's when it all began for me. But when you are from Gregory, Portland, Texas, you don't even know where to begin. You know, there's not a comedy club for a three hour drive, whether it was Houston, San Antonio, or even Dallas. I didn't even I had never even stepped foot in a comedy club, but I knew, then I wanted to do stand-up comedy, and I, I, I that's what I did.
0: Well, was it, I mean, how, you know, I know what it's like to be raised in a small town in Texas where a lot of people don't realize that you can leave and, and go see the world, and, and a lot of people have that trapped mentality of being in a small town and thinking, I'm never gonna escape this place. How, how were you able to leave a small town like that?
1: well you take the small town with you in your heart you know and, and in your soul and and you know the the morals and the things that you learned in that small town with your parents you always take that with you and I will always be a little boy from Gregory Portland Texas and um, you know knowing that you can see the world and see the country and, and really decide to do whatever you want uh, as long as you keep that little town in your heart and in your soul you know, it'll always be my town. And, and I still have friends there that, that I grew up with from elementary school uh, that will always still be my... I mean, I, I go back and do WinFest, and, and that's our little um, fair, you know. And I love to go back and see all those those people. But, you know, I, I think you just take the small town with you.
0: Well, and I think, too, you know, by taking the small town with you, it, it works well for your stand-up routine. Well, the, you know what? The,
1: funny, funny you say that because... At first I thought, man, you know, I, I got to go to LA. I got to go perform at the Comedy Store. I got to be LA. And I got to be what all these other comedians were. And And I started to quickly realize that I was not them. You know, here I was in my cowboy boots and 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 my Wranglers and my shirt, and my ball cap. And, and I, I started thinking, these guys aren't me. And once I started to really go back to my roots and really talk about, You know wanting to be a husband and a family man that's when things really clicked you know so i learned the skills of stand-up in the streets of la at the comedy store but all the morals and all the things that i learned at home all got married together on stage and that is why i think i have become very successful
0: well who are some of your comedic mentors Well,
1: you know, early on, you know, watching guys like Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy or Sam Kinison or or even Dice Clay, who I'm proud to say, you know, knows my name and and we know each other, you know, um, as I got older and we were just talking about it, me and my wife, you know, guys like Jeff Foxworthy, guys like uh, Ray Romano, guys like Jim Gaffigan, guys that I see have a wonderful stand up comedy career, but also have a great life outside of stand up comedy. Uh, they're happily married, they're raising their children, and they don't live in Los Angeles. And, and those are the guys um, that I admire. I remember meeting Rodney Carrington, who's from Oklahoma, and, and he doesn't even know this, but he has a Christmas party that I, I crashed and got invited to. And I remember looking at this guy's house and, and, and his property and thinking to myself, wow, this guy is doing all of this from Oklahoma. So once I, once I started to really go back to my roots and really go back to, Hey, I don't have to be that LA single chasing women guy, man, it, things really kicked off for me.
0: Well, I also understand that uh, you bring out the Mexican American culture in your standup, but you make it very relatable to everyone. How did that happen?
1: Well, as a, as a Texan, you know, and, and I'm so proud to be a Texan and, and, You know, we, you know, as well as I do that, you know, the, the culture here is just so married and so merged and, you know, we put brisket in our queso, you know, that, that, that's exactly what I am. You know, I am brisket in queso. So I try to walk on stage and really represent the Mexican American in a way that is positive and, and, um, you know, something that that young Mexican Americans can look up to and go, Hey, that guy's like me. You know he's a Texan. He loves his queso, but he loves his brisket. You know, and and he ha- I have tons of pride for number one being a Texan and number two, you know, being an American. My father served in the Vietnam War, and I want to make sure to represent us in a way that that we are not being represented on t- in TV in the media. You know, we're always the the gang member, the 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 valet Parker, the maid, and and I I hold my head up high and say hey. We are not that. My father is a welder, pipe fitter, Vietnam vet, hardworking man. My my mom's a hardworking woman and, and you know, we were not on welfare and we were, we did not cross the border, the border crossed us. So we're very proud to be Texans and Americans. And I think it's a it's a perspective that we haven't seen before and I'm proud to be the one to bring it.
0: Well, you know, and I applaud you for that because I personally think that the Hispanic community is still underserved in media. Sure, there's Telemundo and all of that, but overall, from what I've been seeing lately, I still think it's very underserved in today's society for multiple reasons that I'm not going to touch onto. But, you know, I grew up watching a lot of the sitcoms, and, and one of my favorites was uh, Chico and the Man, Freddie Prince. Sure. The guy was freaking brilliant, but to me, it's almost like he was... The Hispanic version of Robin Williams literally goes off script in in a second, and it just makes you laugh and cry at the same time.
1: Well, and, and ultimately, you know, I want to be treated like an American. I'm, I, I get so tired of being treated like I just I just jumped the fence or or I'm an immigrant. I'm not an immigrant. I, I belong here. I am here. My my family's been here, you know, for generations. And to treat to treat us, you know, I get so frustrated when they go, Steve. You know, in Genio or whatever, just won an Oscar. The 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 director, the lighting guy. You should be really happy. I'm like, no, dude, that guy's Mexican. <laughs> He's from Mexico. I am not from Mexico. I want I want to see the Mexican American be represented. You know, in a way uh, that the Black American is represented, and and now um, Gay America gets represented way more. Then the hit, you know, people go, Steve, are you offended by what happened on the, the the movie Lightyear? There was a lesbian couple. I go, I was offended that they're still not a Mexican-American couple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got
1: we got skipped over again, you know. Yeah,
0: no, I, I completely agree, but I mean, you know, I, I was looking at your bio and uh You you were, you wrote for Carlos Mencia, one of the funniest men out there. You've done work with, with Pitbull's La Esquina. How did those projects uh, come to be for you?
1: You know, I was, I was Mencia's opening act for, for years and years and years. And when he got Comedy Central, that TV show, um, I was invited to write for that show. And then from there I got invited to help Pitbull Armando, um, Right for his show. And, and I mean, you want to talk about a guy who who sees this country exactly the way I do, you know, Pitbull is a patriot. Pitbull loves America. Pitbull will tell you all day, why don't you go to the countries where we come from? If you don't like this country, go to the countries where we come from and, and see what it's about. And so I have been lucky enough to to work with with juggernauts like that and, and learn from them as well and and just see you know the the world through their lens and write for them and ultimately i think that you know everything that we do in life leads us to the position that we're in today and had i not gone through all of those ups and downs and and being able to write for guys like that i I don't think i would be where i'm at today
0: well when it comes to being a comedian and besides all of the jokes how important is timing and maybe even even the facial expression without saying a word to make people laugh.
1: Oh, I use my face all the time. You know, I, uh, the, you know, and, and that's what, we call it mugging, right? But I, I always say that that as a comedian, you have to use. You know, the reason that it takes so long to get very good at what, uh, being a comedian is because you have to be able to use all the tools all at the same time. And like you said, timing has to be there. Right. My, the inflection in my voice, the, the look on my face, the delivery, the way that I'm holding my body, the way that I'm holding the microphone, all of that has to come together to really get the biggest laugh possible. And it takes a really long time to be able to do that. But I use everything in my arsenal. You know, if I need to make a face and I just, you know, and, and, and I get that extra laugh from a look I make on my face, it, it's bold.
0: Well, how, how did you practice those things in the beginning? Was it going to open mic night? Was it standing in front of a mirror or both?
1: No, open mic. I mean, I, I took a very blue collar approach to stand up and I told myself that I would outwork everybody. You know, my dad taught me uh, the the importance of, of work ethic and, and working hard. So I told myself, I'm going to get on stage more than everybody. I'm gonna do stand up more than everybody. And I'm going to be better than everybody because I'm going to outwork them. So yeah, it was, it was any open mic. And I, I hear young comedians now, they go, oh, I don't do that open mic anymore because they don't pay. And I'm like, man, I did every open mic. I never, asked, when somebody asked me to open for them, I didn't ask how much money was I making? Where am I gonna stay? I just went and I did it because I knew that it was a savings account, and I knew that every time I walked on stage, if I didn't get paid, someday I would get paid all that money back. And that's what's happened.
0: And see, that sounds like the early days of Jay Leno. And the the comedians that you say, oh, no, no, I'm not gonna do open mic night. That sounds to me like an entitled millennial trying to do stand-up and thinking that they're gonna hit the million-dollar payday the moment they step on stage and they're an idiot.
1: Well, the first thing they do is they go and get a headshot, right? They go get a headshot, they build a website, you know, they start to TikTok, and I'm like, and they go, people come to me and they go, Steve, every video you put out there makes, gets a million hits. Why? What are you doing? I go, well, maybe I'm good.
0: (laughs) Well, Steve, I've got to ask you this question. How did you learn to speak wife? You know, I, the funny part about that
1: is I didn't realize that I had learned the language over years of abuse, right? I, I I thought, you know, because, you know, time goes by as in your marriage and you go, man, I, I can read this. I know exactly what this woman is saying, right? But I met this young man after a show because I meet everybody after my shows. And this young man who was married walks up to me and he says, I would like to have a drink with you. And I said, well, I'm going to go across the street to the casino. I'm going to have a drink. I said, you're more than welcome to join me. And he goes, I'll be there. And then I said, maybe you should ask your wife. And then he said, no, my wife is cool. And I go, oh, you just got married. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, "He goes, how did you know I just got married? I go, because you think she's cool. So then he looks at her and he says, babe, can I go with Steve to have a drink at the casino? She looks at him in the face and she starts to speak wife. She goes, you can do whatever you want. And this dummy goes, told you. And I go, oh, my God, you don't speak wife. <laughs> like, I do not do whatever you want. What she really said, let me translate. What she really said was, if you would like to act single, I can arrange it.
0: Oh, That's what she my really goodness. Said, you right? know, my, my wife, she asked me every now and then, she goes, why don't you ever tell me where you would like to go eat? <laughs> I said, because in the end, it's not a battle that I really want to get into. I don't do drama. It's not Yeah, it's not worth it. Tell me what you want to do and let's do it. Right. Exactly. You know, I'm going to be married 35 years in the next few months. And I'm like, you know, after a while, you've been there, done that. What difference does it make?
1: <laughs> I, you know, she wanted to plant these orange trees. And, and I told her, I said, in order to plant these orange trees, you need a huge pot. You know, I've done this before. My mom is the one that brought you the orange trees. I, I've grown up growing these orange trees. I know what to do. So she comes home with this little pot for the orange tree and I don't say a word because it's like, you know what? Go for it, right? I've already told you. So then her the, the one that hurts me the most, her dad comes and he goes, what are you doing? You need a big pot. And then she goes, oh okay, daddy, let's go get a big, and I just go, why does she treat him with the utmost respect?
0: Oh and yeah. Me? Oh yeah. I, I can feel a little bit of that, but, but what is even funnier to me is that you have this very popular podcast, Steve Trevino and Captain Evil. And so I want to know, do you run all of your jokes by your wife before performing them in front of an audience?
1: No, I'm lucky we, you know, I have an amazing wife and she has a great sense of humor and and by the way, I think that that is a huge part of our, our marital success is the fact that we both have a good sense of humor. We both love to laugh and enjoy life and, um, you know, there, there's only been one time where she has asked me not to do something uh, and that was me being very graphic about us having our child. Um, so she was like, that's kind of gross. Don't do that. So, Uh, I've been so lucky to have such a supportive wife and uh, again I think it's a formula for success I think people see that you know in my podcast my wife and I are very real honest open with our relationship and I think I think we're over the celebrity we're over the perfect celebrity that walks around telling us who we should be and how we should be and, and acting perfect people love to see this very imperfect, perfect marriage. And and it's it's really taken off.
0: Yeah, and I like the way you say that. Imperfect marriage, because not there isn't a perfect marriage anywhere on this planet. And uh you know, as as husbands, we're never given a manual at the very beginning. No. You, no. Put, the, and, and... you put the ring on and uh you're you're basically thrown into the lake and told how to swim on your own. Well, and, and
1: you know, it's funny because people do come up to me for for marital advice, and I, I tell them very simply, "Try." That's it. Try. That's Are you it? trying? Yeah, that's it. Are you trying? Is she trying? Because if you're trying and she's not trying, it's not going to work.
0: Yeah, and but I if, think. If, yeah, and one of the one of the things that, um, and and I've had this conversation with other people and. You know the the major word in marriage is listen. You know, listen and respect, and uh, don't jump to conclusions. But hey, we're guys, and that will happen. And every day is a new adventure being married.
1: <laughs> well, again, learning learning to speak wife right, figuring it out, understanding what she means and what she wants. And you know, I, I, you know the other day we were at Universal Studios in California, and I said, hey. I said, are you going to meet us here? And she goes, because we had separated. And, and she goes, well, I have the stroller. I have a baby. I have the backpacks. I go, why don't you just say, come help me? Ah, there you go. Because I know how to speak wife. I'm going, oh, this is her way of saying, come help me. So I'm on my way to
0: help you. You know. Yeah, and, well, it's not only <laughs> learning how to speak, wife. It's also learning how to interpret that language.
1: That's exactly what it is. I need to write a little coffee coffee table book, right? That when when she says "do whatever you want," she's basically saying this, right? When she says when she says "I'm hungry," that means that you are to take her to go eat immediately. Yes, you know, you don't answer the question when she says, "I'm hungry." You go, "Yeah, me too," and then you just keep going. No, she wants you to stop what you're doing and get her to get something to eat. Right? If she says, "Is it hot in here?" that means get your ass up and turn down the AC. Right?
0: It's simple. (laughs) Well, I know one thing: you need to write the book "How to Speak Wife Fluently," and I think it'd be a, a million bestseller.
1: I think so, too. And, and we've been we've been so lucky that, that I do get to continue to do exactly what I love and people support it. It's awesome.
0: Well, you know, Steve, how important is it for us to poke fun at ourselves?
1: Oh, we have to, right? And and I think that, again, um, it shows humility. It shows um, your ability to open up your heart and your soul. And, and that's admirable, you know. And, and we live in a world now of TikTok and Instagram and and Facebook, everything is through a filter, you know, and and nobody is ever vulnerable on their Facebook, on their Instagram, and and we we are conditioned to see that everybody else is living this perfect life, and they're not, you know? So I think that by poking fun at myself and my wife and our relationship, people can relate to it and go, oh, wow, mine too, you know?
0: Yeah, and you know, and I was watching a lot of your stand-up, and I was watching other comedians do their routines, and I've heard comments from other comedians saying that it's becoming very difficult to be a comedian in today's time, but really, it had just really based on their routine and based on the subject matter that they decide to choose, because your routine and your subject matter, to me, is is a great safety zone in today's time.
1: Yeah you know and, and I, I mean I do believe that we have the right to say whatever we want on that stage. Uh, comedy is subjective you know I defend my my brothers and sisters in comedy that that they should be able to say whatever they want because we live in a country that has freedom of speech and again comedy is subjective but I'm very lucky for me that that the the content that I choose to cover is me, my wife, my family, the things that I go through. But at the end of the day, I'm not afraid ever at all because I know where my heart is. I know who I am. My fans, who I call family, know who I am. And ultimately, there's only one person that can cancel me, and that's my wife. And as long as I'm good with my wife and God, I'm going to keep moving forward and, and people can get over it.
0: Yeah, and, and I agree with that, Steve. Yes. And should comedians in general, should they be canceled at all yes. or you know, I still believe in the first amendment and I think that should cover comedy.
1: Absolutely and, and at the same time,
0: look, there's several comedians who are friends of mine who I
1: don't find funny at all. I think they're I think they're gross. I think that they're disgusting. I think that their sense of humor is very dark and miserable and unhappy, but other people find that to be entertaining. And that's that's their right to go and find that kind of humor entertaining. You know, I mean we have comedians in this country who sell out arenas who do nothing but crap on this great nation of ours. And for some reason, people think that it's a good idea to go support them and watch them and get behind them. I don't, dis- I don't agree with that guy. I don't agree with the fact that he walks on our soil and completely craps on our beautiful country. But hey, he has the freedom to do that in our country, and he should be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And But one thing I love about you, Steve Trevino, is family, wife, great, clean humor that we can laugh, we can laugh at ourselves, and, and you bring it forth in a way that, especially for the husband, especially for the wife, we can laugh at ourselves. We're like, oh yeah, I've said that, oh, I've done that, and you make everything so relatable to everyday life. Well and, and the goal, and,
1: and you know, a lot of people don't notice this about my act. Everything in my act, my wife is wrong, but she's also right. I am wrong and I am also right. You know, so I'm 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 wrong in going to her and saying, hey, stop speaking wife to me. Just tell me what you want. But I'm also right in saying that. And she is right in saying, look, I'm trying to be nice to you. I don't want to be bossy to you. I'm trying to help you with a suggestion by speaking wife so that I don't have to be the boss of you. But at the same time, you're wrong because just tell me what you want and be the boss. So, you know, there's a real balance in my act. And I make sure that there is a balance in my act where, you know, we are both very strong and it's an equal fight in the act. And it's not one sided. It's not just me you know, being aggressive with my wife, she, she gives it back and I give it back. And it's a real portrayal of, of what we go through on a weekly basis.
0: I love that. And also to your podcast, Steve Trevino and Captain Evil, that's available on all digital platforms, all
1: digital platforms from Facebook to YouTube to uh, pick cherries is a new app that my wife and I are, are a big part of. Uh, you can actually go into a podcast and pick that cherry uh, one minute and share it with your friends. So it is a new technology that that my wife and I are are owners of, of part owners of Pick Cherry. So uh, we just had the idea that you got to be able to grab a clip and share it. So now you can.
0: I I absolutely love that. So what is next and what's coming up for Steve Trevino?
1: Oh man! Uh, next, I got to get up and mop the house, and my wife never mops. <laughs> no, on a on a career on a career thing, we just keep doing stand up. We're doing theaters now, and and I try to travel with my family, and we continue to do the podcast. And people ask me, they say, "TV show on the way, movie on the way." I'm like, "Oh well, if if I get offered that, absolutely." But I am extremely happy uh, putting food on the table and a roof over my family's head telling jokes all over the country. So that's what we do.
0: Well, where can all of my viewers, all of my listeners, find out more about you and your current tour?
1: SteveTriveno.com. And, and I tell, I have relatives that text me and go, hey, what time is your show in San Antonio? And I go, by the time you asked me, you could have asked Google. <laughs> or you could have gone to SteveTriveno.com. but I know what they're doing. They want free tickets. So I I just go, yeah, I got you. Don't worry, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing, Steve. You were so popular that by the time they ask you, the show is probably sold out. Well, that's what cracks me up. They go, I'm having trouble buying tickets. And I go, 6,000 other people did
1: not have trouble (laughs) buying tickets, but yet here you are with (laughs) trouble buying tickets.
0: (laughs) Well, Steve, you got a fan in me. And I know that all of my viewers and listeners who don't know you by now, they will. And ladies and gentlemen, you've got to check out Steve Javinio and Captain Evil, the podcast with Steve and his wife, Renee. You will laugh. You will just love every minute of that podcast. But not only that, check out the tour on stevedrevino.com. Buy tickets. Support Steve and his stand-up comedy. Because look, we all love to laugh. And why not laugh with a proud American? and one that brings family to the masses. So Steve, again, thank you so much for honoring us with your time and your presence today. Thank you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Trevino. Again, go to stevetrevino.com and stick around. I will be right back with more. Are your sinuses sensitive to everything? Do you suffer with seasonal allergies? Are you ready for this year's pollen season? Primrose Leafs Breathe Q Plus supports sinus and respiratory health balances the immune system in hypersensitive individuals, promotes normal mucous membrane function, and clears nasal passages naturally. Primrose Leaf's Breathe Q+. Call them today at 844-376-0007. That's 844-376-0007. Or go to primroseleaf.com. It's time for you to breathe easy.